You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. I am really excited about this morning because we love it when God says you need to fast. Uh, the Lord will lead you into periods of fasting, and over our church history, there's been different times and different seasons where God says it's time to fast. And we started January off, and we're praying, God, do you want us to be fasting as we go into this year? And it was, no, wait, I'll tell you when to do that. And we're like, oh, but God, we're, we really like to pray and fast as we start off the year, and it was like, no, just wait. There'll be a time when you need to do that. Kind of like a player on the team, and you, and you want to play. Say, coach, put me in, put me in. A, I want to go, and the coach says, yeah, I will. They're, they're, you're coming. I'm going to put you in. And uh, that's what we felt like here for fasting. It's like, God, when, when do we get to do this? And so it's coming. We're going to be fasting uh, coming up on Friday. This Friday, we're going to be fasting from Friday to Good Friday. And I want to give you a little bit of background of why we're fasting, what we're fasting for, what we're believing for, and uh, give you some history of what's happened in the past as we fasted. And then we're going to wrap up the service this morning with the Lord's Supper with communion. So it's good stuff this morning, and we're excited to to fast. We're excited to pray. Our flesh doesn't like it, but that's besides the point. God likes it, and so we're going to be talking about that this morning. When we look back over our church history, we have had different seasons of prayer and fasting. Frankly, we wouldn't be here if we hadn't had God move as we've needed to pray and fast for different hurdles that we have. To me, fasting is kind of like an ace in your hand. If, you've been, if you're playing cards and you get an ace, you go, oh, man, this is a good card. I'm going to keep it and play it at the right time. You don't always fast. You know, we live certainly disciplined lives, but there's just seasons where God says, now's the time to fast because you hit a wall and you don't know what else to do except, God, I know we're going to have to pray and fast for this one. And so as challenging as it is, it's exciting because we know the tremendous results that come through prayer and fasting. Our first fast was in February of 1995. We did a 21-day fast. We were meeting in the Landmark Hotel down the street here on Robson, and uh, we, it was tough going. It was really challenging. We were pioneering. The church was just over a year old, and it was like a farmer pulling stumps and pulling the rocks off the land, and it was really difficult to get anything going. And we called a friend of ours. He was a, an evangelist. Now he's a pastor in Calgary, and he traveled the world. His name was Anthony Greco. And I said, Anthony, man, we're, we're in a tough place. Why don't you come hold meetings for us for a week and just come help us break up the ground? And Anthony said, yeah, I'd love to do it. And uh, he was used to speaking to thousands of people in these different places. He says, how many people do you expect? I said, oh, if we have a good night, we might have 80 people or maybe, maybe less. And he said, oh, that's okay. I'll be there. And so he came in. And uh, we prayed and fasted as a church for those meetings. And uh, we had some incredible, incredible times, incredible breakthroughs. People walked in off the street. They didn't even know that there was a service going on because we're in the Landmark Hotel. And uh, tremendous lo- miracles. Lives were changed. And uh, I think a lot of it had to do as we prayed and fasted and said, God, would you help us? One man that came that I'll never forget, it was after that season, and he walked in. He was from another country. He came in, and uh, he said, I'll never forget his question, because he came in the back, and he said, I'd like to meet the God of Canada. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> he had landed from another country, and he had, had heard that Canada was a Christian nation. Now, there, of course, would be different opinions on that today, but he, 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 was, he was of the opinion that there was that Canadians worship God. He says, I want to meet your God. I said, well, we have a Christian heritage. He says, that's what I've heard. I want to, I want to know about it. I want to meet your God. I said, oh, okay. And so I was explaining to him about the Christian faith and how you make a decision to follow Christ and all the rest of it. He says, okay, well, I'd like to do that. 
I said, well, okay, but, and he's like, you don't understand. I'm getting on a plane, and before I leave this country, I want to become a Christian. Now, can I do that? I said, yes, you can do that. <laughs> and so he was, he was literally going from the hotel to the airport. Before he left, he says, I must meet. He said, there's something different here. And so it was a good report that even in our city, he, he just felt like there was a God he must meet. So we talked some more. We prayed. Tears running down his face. I'll never forget standing there, watching him leave, and then, God, you just did a miracle. Is this real? I had to pinch myself. How did that happen? Before it was a season of prayer and fasting. That was just one of many miracles that happened during that time. Then in October 1998, we were praying and believing for an office and have a place to just meet and be able to. We had a meeting place at the Landmark, but we didn't have an office space. We didn't have a place to train and to do equipping, uh, that sort of thing. And we were praying, said, God, help us. What a roadblock we're in. We couldn't afford the rent. It's expensive to be downtown. Do you know when we first started, there were Sundays, this might surprise you, they would cost us $2,000 a weekend to meet in the hotel. And then sometimes we couldn't meet there. We had to move to the, we had to move to the Western Bayshore, or we had to move to the Playhouse Theater. We had to move around, and, and it was like everything we went into. But we just said, no, we must be here. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. Where he leads, he feeds. So we said, okay, God, there's got to be a way. We're just going to keep believing for it. And uh, we just put everything into it. It's God, we're going to stay put. We're not going to move. You're going to provide. Your name is Jehovah Jireh. You're the God of more than enough. Either this is true or it's not true. And so we just kept believing. But now we're believing for some office space, a place to meet. And, and the more commitment you show to a neighborhood, the more they're committed to you. And so we were praying about this, fasting for it. And during that time, we went down the street, and we met with some people from Grosvenor, and uh, they have their head office just on West Georgia here, land all over the world, really. And uh, we had been asking them to, you know, could we rent some office space on Melville? The building's now since torn down on the 1100 block of Melville. And uh, so we went there, and we met with a guy by the name of Neil Worley, remember his name, Top floor, big boardroom, and we're asking, you know, could we have some space to rent? And we'd gone through some different hurdles, and I shared the story with him. And he said, you know, we, we've talked it over, and, uh, and our, our board has made a decision that we will rent you some space uh, on Melville Street. It's not the newest building, but it's a good building. And I think it was like 1,500 or 1,600 square feet, which was good for us. He said, we're, we'll give it to you for $10. Now, $10 a square foot, if you rent stuff downtown, that's a pretty good price. And uh, $10, I said, that's all in. He said, that's all in. You know, so you usually have to pay your, you know, the triple net thing. I said, okay. I thought, $10? I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. I said, Mr. Ward, that's a very good offer. Thank you very much. $10 a square foot's a great deal. He said, no, 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 not $10 a square foot, $10 a month. I said, excuse me. <laughs> Inside, I'm going, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. <laughs> He said, but I, I, I regret to inform you the parking will be $110 a month. We've got one parking stall for $110 a month, but our office space was $10 a month. I'm just going, hallelujah, praise. I was really excited because we had an office space. It was amazing. What a miracle to have that. Prayer and fasting. Fasting gives you breakthroughs when normally it's like, God, it's just something about it. Jesus said at one point, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. There's times in your personal life, there's times as a church, we, we push through by prayer and fasting. It's, it's work, 
but it's exciting what's on the other side of it. And we can go through a history of our church, of seasons of prayer and fasting. In July 2000, there was a prayer and fasting as we were growing in the Landmark Hotel. We, were, we went through a season of prayer and fasting, and we were believing God. God, where could we meet? We're believing to own a place in the heart of the city. And after that season of prayer and fasting, a miracle happened that this building was now going to be coming on the market. I believe that was related to prayer and fasting. That was in July of 2000. And then in November 2001, we did another season of prayer and fasting. We, the building had been bought, and now we're believing that the developer would release it and sell it to us. And we'd actually looked at, we had rented it for a while. Now we're believing to be able to buy the building. But probably one of the biggest fasts that we had was in February, February 25th to March 18th, 2002. This is just some of your church history. Uh, Prayer and fasting is a part of who we are. And uh, I think it always will be. I hope it never becomes that we don't have to do it anymore. I, I think God intentionally keeps us totally relying on him. Without him, we can do nothing. Without him, we could never make it happen. But with him, all things are possible. Amen. Remember we used to sing that song, All Things Are Possible? During that season, you guys would remember that. Uh, our daughter, Elizabeth, was young at the time, and she didn't know the, what it meant. And we would play that song, and she thought it was All Things Are Popsicles, because she loved popsicles. <laughs> and so she said, play that song at All Things Are Popsicles. <laughs> if you're a popsicle lover, you know, as a kid, it was like, yeah, what, what could be a better world than All Things Are Popsicles? But we were saying all things are possible. And with God, all things are possible. Jesus had said to his disciples at one point when they had, couldn't pray for this boy who was possessed by an evil spirit, and he had been on the mountain praying with three of the other disciples that came down, and the, the father said, I came, brought this child to your disciples, and they could not deliver him. And Jesus returned to them, oh, you, you faithless and perverse generation. Faithless, perverse. Perverse doesn't mean perverted. Perverse means to turn away. You've turned away from what I've empowered you to do. Because just before that, he said, I give you power over the powers of darkness. And he said, why don't you exercise your faith? If you had faith just as a grain of a mustard seed, you could say to the mountain, be removed and be removed. Where's your faith? Where's your, why are you in unbelief? Trust me. But then he said something interesting. Uh, He said, but this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. Couple those two together, and something happens. There is a catalyst force when you add fasting to prayer. I'll tell you something this morning. The last thing the devil wants us to do is fast and pray as a congregation. We can play, we can do this, we can do that, but there's something that happens when a church prays and fasts. The enemy is nervous. You can move mountains. You pray, and it's a praying church. It's a fasting church. Oh, something will change. Something will change. Some won't like it and leave. Others will come because they they like the tenacity of it. They like the, yes, the kingdom of God is, there's 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 a force behind it. The force is released through us. Ephesians 3.20, we'll get to it later, but it says, He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think according to what? This might surprise you. According to the power that is in us. There is not just potential energy. There's kinetic energy. There's power within us. 
And somehow, I don't have it all figured out, but I just know what happens. Fasting and prayer releases the power of God to move mountains in our life. And in the year 2002, February, folks, we had a really, really big mountain in front of us. The biggest mountain probably that I've ever faced in my life, anyhow, because we had gone through a lot of work, entered into agreement to purchase this building. And everything was pretty much in place. And we had some people helping us. But the last minute, they said, you know what? It's, it's not going to work for us. And we're, we're going to pull out. But our name's on the line, and we, we can't go anywhere. So now what do we do but pray and fast? Yeah. Thank God for the miracle-working power of our Lord. Prayer and fasting. 2002, we had two fasts. Ten years later, we might have two fasts again. We're going to fast now, but I sense we might just fast again this year. It's a breakthrough year. A better way, higher way. God's not done. We're not coasting. Don't plan to take our foot off the accelerator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why would we, right? Jesus said, look unto the harvest. I don't know, but if, does it do that for you? When, you? when you walk down the street, Friday night, we had men's bowling night. We had a blast of bowling. And uh, walking down to there, going down Granville Street, and just walking through the city again. And you just see the the lostness of people, the hollowness in their eyes. They don't have Jesus. Until everybody finds Jesus. We, we have so much work to do. Every church has work to do. And so let me just, oh, you know what? I could talk way too long on this, and I have to get to why we're fasting. But it was a miracle. February 4th, we met with the owner of this building and uh, we had asked him the question. Uh, he was hesitating to sell it. And we said, you know, well, would you want to tear down the church? Would you want to be known for the, as a person who tore down the church? And he got back and said, no, I, I don't really want to be known as that. I'll, I will sell it to you. And we hit a wall. And I took a day of prayer and fasting, went to Whistler and uh, prayed, fasted there. And, and sometimes when we pray, and sometimes when we fast, it seems like God's a million miles away. It's not always warm and fuzzy, and oh, I feel God so close. That day in Whistler, I said, God, where are you? Like, uh, are the ceilings, is the heavens brass? My prayer is just bouncing off. It's, where, where is this prayer going? I, I felt like I accomplished absolutely nothing. I spent a day praying and fasting. I was restless, walked around. I said, God, this is... I, I'm, I'm done. My name's done. We put everything on the line. And I, now what do I do? And I remember driving back from Whistler to Vancouver, and I, I said, God, I'm going to stop and pray one more time. I stopped the truck. I got out. I went for a walk down the side road, prayed. I said, God, is there a sign, anything? I'm just so, God, where are you? You know, God works the best in the midnight hour. It, it just, he may not be early, but he's not late. And so I got back in the truck, and I'm praying, coming down the highway, and then I got a call on my, on my cell phone. 
And uh, it was a very timely call. I've never shared this story before, and uh, we asked permission to share it, because up to now I haven't had permission to share it. But uh, we asked permission to share it. On the way back, in that truck, I got a phone call, and uh, on the other line was Jimmy Patterson. He said, I hear you're having some trouble getting a building. I go, yeah, yeah, we are. We're having a lot of trouble. He says, are you on a cell phone? I go, yes, I am. He says, well, talk to me on the la- landline. Call me when you get home. I said, okay, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> so I, I, when I got home, I gave him a call. And he said, you know, one of the members of your church works at the hotel, and she told me that you were having problems. He said, why don't you come over? I want to see if I can help you. So we went over to his office and uh, sat down and chatted with him. And uh, yes, Jesus, you follow Jesus. Yes. What does your church believe? Are, are you Pentecostal? Do you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Oh, yes. This is good. He told me the story how his father was saved in a Pentecostal mission. He said, I owe everything to, to what they've done. He says, do you believe in speaking in tongues? I go, yes, we do. He says, do you? Yes. He says, good. He says, I'd like to help you. So make a long story short. He said, here's how we'll do it. And he, you know, the first thing he did is he gave us his wisdom. He's a smart business guy. I don't have to tell you that. He's a smart businessman. He said, but we, we can make this work. Do you know what that did for me? To have somebody of his wisdom and caliber to say, we can make this work. And he brought a lot of wisdom that I would have never thought to the table. It took a lot of lawyers to put the deal together. But he helped us put it together. He says, how much can you afford? He says, how much money do you have? I said, well, we don't have a lot. We have $200,000. He says, okay. He says, well, how much is the building? I says, well, we need over $4 million. He says, oh, <laughs> you need some help. He says, how much are you paying now at the landmark? I said, oh, we pay, you know, about $6,000 a month. He says, so you can afford $6,000? I says, yeah, we can afford $6,000. He says, okay. He says, well, let's, let's, and we worked out the deal. And so you need to know this. It's part of the story. And we asked, you know, can we tell it? He says, if it'll help you, you can tell the story. I, I said, I think the people, it'd be good for them to know. So he said, we'll go to the bank. I don't do this, but I will co-sign your loan. So he went to CIBC. It was a very strange day to sit down with that banker. Because he looked at what we were worth. And he said, you know this, right? The only reason you're getting this is because Mr. Patterson has come to co-sign. He said, yes, sir, I know that. <laughs> it's very humbling. But he, he became, in a unique way, like a father figure. He was like a dad who cared for his son. He says, what can I do to help you? I will co-sign. He says, no, you, you don't have enough money to make the payments. Because you said you can only spend 6000 It's going to be more than that for your payments on that amount of money. He said, so here's what we do. I will give you three years to get it figured out, and then I'm done. So you have three years of grace 
Find a way to do it. Sell your density, whatever you have to do. But in three years, matter of fact, you have to sell your density. You have to sell your density in order for this to work. Their density above us, which we sold to the Shangri-La. You got three years to do that, and I'll pay the difference. So that, my folks, friends, is a breakthrough. So he helped us. He didn't pay for it, but he helped us. He, he underwrote. He believed in us. He said, this is good. He said, I've been in the city a long time. I watch Ern Baxter. I watch all these others come and go. He says, I know. It is a very difficult thing to pastor church in the heart of this city. I want you to know that we believe in you and we will stand with you. And he never once faltered. He never once went back on his word. He kept his word. And he gave us wisdom. He gave us support. And he said, I will help you make it happen. And he did. Give God a praise offering for that. We've never thanked him in this building for it. Yeah. So much more could be said about that. You know, when we bought the building, the city was pressuring the owner to turn this into a community center. The owner had an offer a day on the building, and it wasn't even on the market. So much hasn't been told about how God intervened to give you a pew to sit on in the heart of the city. It really is a miracle. As we're looking for another campus, we've been praying for another site. As you know, we announced at the beginning of the year, we've been doing it for the last number of years, another campus. Every time I look back, I said, God, I had no idea how big you were. We were so much in the thick of it. We had no idea how supernatural it was that we would be here today and all that taking place. So that was in, man, uh, that was in, uh, like I mentioned, that kicked off. Uh, in February, and we went through. We fasted again in June. We fasted again in, in, uh, in uh, September 2004, December 2005. I'm just going through these. I won't give you all the details of them. December 2006, and in February 2009, and in January of 2010. Perhaps one of the most interesting fasts, though, was a fast that we did in... Uh, uh, October of uh, 2002. It was a seven-day fast because we're going to do a seven-day fast. We had signed the building deal in August of 2002, and so then that fall we were going to have our grand opening service. And for seven days prior to that, we fasted for our grand opening service. And what a service we had. It was tremendous. The community responded. The people responded. We never had more people attend than we did that particular service. And uh, the day after, that day we dedicated this building. And you have to remember, prior to us, this building was built in 1918. Prior to that, the, the group that met here before did not believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection was not preached. Our first service was on a resurrection Sunday in this building. That was not by accident. It was on April 15th. Our first service in here was on a resurrection Sunday morning. And God's fingerprints were on that. And now we had this grand opening service. We dedicated it to God. Folks, the following day, after seven days of prayer and fasting, the following day, a miraculous phone call came. The city phoned us and said, there's a developer who's coming next door to you. They will build the tallest building in the city. Would you be willing to sell your density to them? And so 
to the timing was perfect. Within our three-year deal, we're able to sell the density. We met all our obligations. We've never had debt. God's always been gracious to us. His hand has been upon the finances. People have been faithful to see God's in it. I want to be a part of it. When God's in it, I want to be a part of it because it means it's good soil. It's a good place to invest. God is at work in the heart of the city. I want to be where God's working. Long before we got here, he was working. We're just involved with what he's doing. And so the next day, the phone call came, and our density began to, that deal was put in the works between the city, the developer, and us. But that was after seven days of fasting. I'm just sharing a bit of history with you because we're going to be fasting for seven days. Expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles. There's an expectancy that God is going to do something this Good Friday. God's going to do something this Resurrection Sunday. And I'm going to share with you what we're believing for. So hang on. Here we go. All right. What is fasting? Fasting is not a tool to manipulate God. God is not going. God's not some kind of a genie that when we fast, he says, okay, here I am. Now I'll do something for you. That's not what fasting is. It's not legalism. It's not an attempt to press others. It's not earning an answer to our prayer. Fasting is not, is not so much about saying no to the body. It's saying yes to the Holy Spirit. It's an outward response to an inward attitude is what fasting is. Fasting is an assumed practice. Jesus said, and when you pray, he assumes you pray. He assumes I pray. He says, and when you give, he assumes we give. He doesn't ask us to give. He just assumes we would want to give. But he also assumes we fast because he said, and when you fast... Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't put on this air. Don't, don't walk around like, oh, it's so hard. I'm fasting. No, no. You should, people can't even tell you're fasting. That's the way to do it. What is a corporate fast? Because we're going to be doing a corporate fast. It's when the leader calls everyone together in prayer and fasting for a specific issue. Lots of examples in the Bible. Moses had done this. Paul had done it. Joel had done it. In the book of Ezra, Ezra does it. Ezra is taking the children and the families from Babylon back to Jerusalem. 500 miles, four-month journey, 7,000 people carrying a lot of gold, a lot of precious things. And he had said to the king, we have a good God. God will protect us the whole way. And after he said that, he goes, you know what? Now I can't even ask the king for protection but I will pray and fast. So they prayed and fasted. He said, we need to pray and fast because this is a big deal. And so they did, and they were safe. That's a corporate fast. It's proclaimed by the leader for the group. Why are we fasting now for seven days? For the success, for the anointing, for God's presence, for what God will do on Good Friday and our Easter services. Wow. And uh, we're believing for, I think it's in your notes, 100 people to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and to be added to the church on Easter Sunday. Wow. When Peter stood up and preached, it said he preached for a long time, but people were added to the church, added to the church. What is Jesus' number one project? I will build my church. The church is the answer. He He is the church. He's the head of the church. He's about the church. And he desires the church to continue to grow and thrive in our city. Uh, what, are we, what, what does fasting do? I'm going to blaze through these quickly. Number one, it humbles us before God. I like what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who live in me while I live in them will produce a lot of fruit. But you can't produce anything without me. See, we could, we could go to First Baptist, do a joint service with them. We can go, we can go to the Orpheum. 
and do a service there. And we could rent it. It's a beautiful facility. We could have projectors and handouts and cookies. We will have cookies. We'll have cookies. We have all this stuff. And we could make an event. We could make entertainment. We could, make, we could even have some sizzle to it. But without Jesus, without him, it's nothing. It's cotton candy. It's just a show. We're not after that. We're after the presence of God. We're after what we call the anointing, the tangible presence of God that a man would come from another nation and arrive there and say, I heard there's a church going on here. I must meet this God. There's something different in here. And we'll give him what we have. We'll give him all the loaves and fishes that we have. The little boy brought the loaves and fishes to Jesus. And there was a multitude of feed. And Jesus, what did he do? He lifted up to the Father. And he says, Father, would you bless these loaves and fishes? They're not enough. We don't have enough. We don't have enough talent. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough of this. We don't have enough of that. But you know what will happen? If we take all that we have and we bring it to the Father, we just lift it up to say, Father, would you take what we do have? Would you bless it? Guess what will happen? We can do much more because he has blessed it. Amen? Without him, we can do nothing. This is not about us. This is about our Lord. This is about our Savior being high and lifted up in the heart of the city. John the Baptist said, I must decrease so Jesus can increase. We must decrease so Jesus can increase. Yeah. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless God's involved, they just spin their wheels. What else does it do? It destroys Satan's hold in the lives of people. In Isaiah, it's written, Is this not the fast I've chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, undo heavy burdens, let the oppressed go free, break every yoke? What are we fasting for? Oh, I hope you're with us this morning. I hope you're ready to put your shoulder to the plow and pray and fast with us. Because there will be people that will come that Easter morning that have never been to church before, that have been invited, but they're under a chain. They're under a yoke. They are tormented in their mind. But we're believing that a Good Friday service or that Easter service, that something breaks that day, something shatters that day, because they have been with our Lord. Amen? We believe for that. We press into that. That every person experiences a tangible presence of God. They realize, oh, Oh, Jesus is alive. He's raised from the dead. Whether you've been a believer for a week or whether you've been a Christian all your life, it is true. I talked to the man this week. He said, I used to go to service on Easter and I would cry and I would just say, Oh, God, you're alive. You did change me. You washed away my sins. He said, But time's gone by and I don't cry anymore at Easter. Let's not lose our first love. May we be touched with what God did for us on that resurrection morning as much as we were the first day we met him. That's what we're praying for. We're believing for that to take place. Every life to be changed. Whether they've been to church all their life or whether it's their first time. That we'd all experience the presence of God that Sunday morning. It promotes unity. How blessed, how wonderful it is we dwell together in unity. Last year we made history when we got together as lead churches at First Baptist and we sang together, we worshiped together. It's incredibly sweet. This year, two services. But we're not banking what happened last year. We're not saying, oh, we got this figured out now. We can just roll into town. And No, we must pray. We must fast. Pray for them. Pray for their church. Pray for that day. Don't you know the enemy would not like that to happen? We can't just sit back and say, oh, yeah, we'll just wing it. We can't wing it. We've got to pray into this. 
We've got to agree and say, God, we need you in this city. More than ever, we want to be unified. We're not talking about our differences. We're talking about what we're in agreement on. We're, not, we're on the same page. Different flavors, different styles, maybe different cultures and different traditions, but agreeing on the essentials, worshiping God together. So we're believing for that. It will do that. It takes us from unbelief to belief. It releases God's power through us. I like to say fasting is kind of like the turbochargers. I don't know if you guys got a turbocharger on your car or have you ever driven one. Or maybe gals, you have. I can't just assume guys like turbochargers, but girls might like them too. I don't know. But when you're driving a car and you kick in the turbocharger, yeah, you take compressed air, you push it into the cylinder, add a little gasoline, and bango, you got a lot more power. It's a lot of fun. Fasting is kind of like hitting the turbocharger in your prayer life, all right? You just, you got extra power. And as we go into Easter and Good Friday, we're going to hit the turbocharger as we go into that week. Releases the power through us. When do we fast? I think you figured it out already. Starting this coming Friday, March 30th. So you got a few days to get it planned out, figured out. You you can breathe a sigh of relief. You get to have lunch today. It's okay. We're going to from March 30th to April 6th. We'll finish it up on Good Friday. What do we need to do to participate? Seven days, miss one meal a day. Cut out distracting activities. Join us on Saturday morning if you can for corporate prayer. And then pray into those services. And pray for those you've invited. On your notes, I left a couple blanks for people that you might be inviting. So the, the notes are there. But pray into those services for those various aspects And let's agree together that this would be an historical Easter in our church, in our churches, and in our city. Amen? All right. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org. 